Let's go to Australia now, and our correspondent is Bernard Keane of Crikey.com. Hello, Bernard. Hello. I've been watching, I don't know why, they get emailed to me. I've been watching your little poll blips of late, and we saw uh, the government slip, I think a good couple of percentage points, and then they bounce back again. How much is this relating to this discussion around tax cuts at the moment? Remind us what's happening. Uh, that's a really good question, actually, because uh, so what's been happening on tax cuts is uh, Labor promised and promised and promised from well before the last election that it was going to keep the tax cuts that were put in place by uh, by the previous government, which strongly favoured high income earners. They were part of they called the stage three tax cuts, which obviously there were stages one and two, and they were mainly aimed at low and middle income earners. The, the stage three ones, which the last one, were um, uh, confined to were left until until last. And Labor said all along, no, no, we we, we will implement them as the previous government uh, said they were going to be implemented. They're already already legislated. And then on on Australia Day. Um, uh, Anthony Albanese got up and said, you know, in fact, we're going to change those tax cuts. We're going to shift them around so that the benefits mainly flow to lower middle income earners and, and, and not so much to, to high income earners. Everyone was going to get a tax cut, but they were going to shift, shift the balance, if you like, uh, more in the direction of lower middle income earners. So cue lots of cries of, of broken policy, you know, including from myself. Who's um, at the Aussie Open? What's <laughs> booze at the Aussie Open? Yes, it's um, it's it's the great tradition in Australia that you boo the prime minister. Oh, okay, but, uh, that had like, nothing to do with it then. That's okay. Well, there, there was in depth shows the 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 depth, or shall I say, or, or, or otherwise, of our media that we obsessed over whether booing was actually politically significant for a couple of days. Um, the uh, the 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 resulting sort of political fuel was really about whether whether uh, this was actually going to damage. The government or not, whether it was a broken promise and people wouldn't like that, or the fact that everyone, well, the great majority, more you know, more than about ninety percent of of the people who were going to get a tax cut would actually get more as a result. Um, as it's turned out, and this is sort of one in the eye for the political class, um, things actually haven't changed a great deal. The government's polling really hasn't shifted around a lot. They took a bit of a, a hit at the end of last year, but but as you said, they they sort of bounced back. I think that's partly because um, people like me who are engaged in the business of analysing politics kind of don't really fully understand uh, what just how in, uninterested majority of Australians are in politics. We we link every tiny little shift in polling um, to something that happened in politics the previous week, and I suspect that ordinary Australians actually don't pay that much attention. To politics, they'd be aware that there's going to be tax cuts. They're probably aware that it's a broken promise, and they're probably aware they're going to do better out of it than than um, they were otherwise going to be. But that's probably the extent of it. And Can you explain the politics between him backtracking a second time? Then, obviously, there was some pressure, right? Well, he's been under pressure right since Labor was elected. In fact, going back to the before the last election, there's a lot of pressure from the left, from the Greens, and from from progressive commentators to say. We've got to get rid of these tax cuts. The the stage three tax cuts. They're 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 inequitable. Uh, we could do better things with that money, um, and Labor should not back them. Now, Labor's political strategy all along was simply to remove that as a as a political issue. They went to the last election saying, "No, no, we're we're not going to go ahead with those stage three tax cuts." Then it would have given uh, the then government a big target to fire at. And the reason that Labor lost the previous election in 2019 was it went to the election with lots of big tax targets 
on its back. So in, in 2022, the, the, the approach was they're simply not going to give uh, their opponents any opportunity. Now, once they're in government, of course, uh, they've got the levers of power in their hands. They can they can control the agenda much better. And the way that they shaped the tax cuts was really they could, they could break the promise, but most people would be better off. And I guess that's the kind of promise that uh, people would like politicians to break more often. Uh, if they're thinking purely uh, in terms of self-interest, but the real the, the justification that that Anthony Albanese has used has been: look, there's a cost of living crisis, inflation's too high. This is an opportunity to give people some relief from uh, uh, steadily rising inflation. Although inflation is actually moderating very quickly here now, but um, it was this: it was the it was the whole idea. Look, things are tougher than they were back when these tax cuts were legislated. Low and middle income Australia is doing it tough. Here's a handout okay. to, uh, to help you. Can, can you tell me about this ABC series that is uh, causing considerable fallout? I'm not familiar with it. When was it broadcast? So it's so this this version is called Nemesis. What what happens after every election is that the national broadcaster puts together an account of the previous government. Basically, they interview everyone from the previous government, and usually most people. Participate right from prime ministers, ex prime ministers, as they are then down. It's been a tradition ever since the Howard government lost its uh, lost office. So this is a, kind of the third sort of post uh, post government kind of documentary series, and 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 it covers what was a very turbulent period in in Australian policy. We had we had three we had three prime ministers: Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, and then Scott Morrison. Um, Tony Abbott's declined to participate, which I think is quite sensible because pretty much everyone. <laughs> Every one of his former colleagues um, bagged him unmercifully uh, for his short-lived two-year government. But the problem with this for the party that's now out of power is it just generates a lot of – it exposes a lot of tension that was that was always there and may not have been reported on as much as, uh, as, it, as it now is. And it gives uh, their political opponents who are now in government the opportunity to just pick and choose what they're saying about each other. And Malcolm Turnbull – who has never been, since the moment he lost the prime ministership, has never been backward in coming forward about um, uh, his views of his former colleagues, uh, has been pretty savage about Tony Abbott and Scott Morrison, and particularly Peter Dutton, who was the man who really initiated Malcolm Turnbull's downfall. And Malcolm has um, uh, thrown around words like thug uh, about Peter Dutton and suggested that he'd be a disastrous prime minister. And now, of course, all that stuff is is great for the political historians. They've got this great documentary record of what happened during the nine years of, of coalition government, but it's also great for the Labor Party, which is basically being generated um, campaign lines for the next election by its uh, by its opponents out of their own mouths. So it's a uh, it's a bit of a mess for the for the coalition. But this is what this is the aftermath of losing an election, and and there's not too many people uh, on the governing side who are particularly happy with one another after they lose an election. All right. Uh, that's, uh, it was an interesting autobiography of Malcolm Turnbull's as well, but you often get the impression he was, what's the saying, pretty pleased with how he turned out, <laughs> as, as people would often joke. That's, but nonetheless... I think that's, um, the least of, that's the least of Malcolm's, of <laughs> Malcolm's uh, character flaws. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's always an interesting read, and I'm sure he'll have plenty to say in this documentary. Um, now, changes to vehicle emission standards. This is uh, This is interesting... But it's also proving problematic here. I'm interested in your experience of uh, doing this in Australia. Please just explain. Um, gosh, I'm sounding like Pauline 
Henson, uh, please just explain <laughs> what the what the changes are. Well, Australia's got these really clunky, out-of-date vehicle emission standards because no government has had the gumption to change them since basically the 20th century. So we Australia is a sort of a dumping ground. I know you've got different car import laws in New Zealand. You've got much more sensible laws in New Zealand. You're allowed to import second-hand cars uh, from other countries, which Australians are not uh, something that's always irked me. Um, but in Australia, the, the, the vehicle emission standards are such that other uh, car companies from other countries that have uh, that continue to make sort of out-of-date, out high-emission high vehicles can basically use Australia as a dumping ground for cars that they can't sell anywhere else. So the, so the EU standards for, for um, uh, emissions, for example, much, much more stringent. America's standards for emissions are much more uh, standard. So, you know, two of the two of the big three, well, I guess with China, it's a big four car manufacturing countries now, but, but you know, two of, two of the three traditional uh, car manufacturing companies um, countries have much more, much higher, much more stringent vehicle emission standards than we do. And we've, so we've turned it into this sort of dumping grounds, parking lot for, for high standards. Now, what happens every time someone says, well, we really ought to catch up with the rest of the world with our vehicle emission standards? We, we ought to stop poisoning ourselves with high particulate emissions and we ought to, you know, start getting transport to do its bit to address uh, carbon emissions is that we, ha- we end up with a culture war in which uh, the Conservatives and, and the Murdoch media say, well, look, higher emission standards is, is going to destroy the Australian weekend. You won't be able to tow your, your, your caravan uh, on holiday. You won't be able to take your four-wheel drive uh, out into the bush and tradies won't be able to buy you to, um, to to do their job. It's all these sort of cultural tropes about about you know, the Aussie weekend and you know being able to get out into the great outdoors and you know, a lot of these sort of myths that we we tell each other about ourselves. And that's that's been extraordinarily potent. Now Labor's actually grasped the nettle and and to, to to their credit and said, well actually no it's time we updated these standards. And it's probably not going to lead to significantly higher vehicle prices. It hasn't elsewhere. It's actually going to save motorists money because these vehicle standards mean much more efficient vehicles. Um, and I think this is going to be a slow burn issue between now and our next election. In 2019, Scott Morrison made a lot of political capital out of Labor's electric vehicle policy, which he said was going to destroy the weekend, wouldn't be able to tow your caravan, tradies wouldn't be able to get their utes. Um, he, he, in fact, ended up lying about uh, the capacity of electric vehicles quite, uh, quite shamelessly. Uh, that demonstrates just how powerful this issue can be. So we'll, let's, we'll, we'll watch and wait and see how this issue burns over the next uh, next uh, 18 months and Thank see whether it ends up being a Thank you. A I was one. actually uh, I was off on a, on a tangent. I was thinking of some of the changes we're making to uh, road user charges that are proving problematic, particularly for hybrid uh, vehicles, people raising issues this morning. The vehicle emission standards, you're right. I think we did a move on those a while back. Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, how they compare to other nations, but it sounds like they're ahead of yours. Thank you, Bernard Keane from crikey.com.